namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa uttang dhammang sankhang namasami So it's uh, a significant day in our Sangha, it's the Uposita, and we had the pleasure of Venerable Amr Siri's first recitation of the Patimoka, which is quite an accomplishment to, uh, to learn that and do it in one's first Patimoka gathering. It's a few bhikkhus have done that, so... so Anamotanat, Venerable Amasiri. Um, and these kinds of practices that we do, like learning the Patimoka or being the work monk or serving up a meal for the Sangha, these are the different ways that we uh, serve our community and the different ways we can. Uh, Create, create an inner world where, where it's uh, meaningful socially. Because so, so chanting the Patimoka has tremendous uh, cultural, historical, traditional meaning for us. It goes back 2,500 years. So to sustain this tradition and to honor it and to Remember that we are the way of the elders, not just the Pali Canon. And we have a whole tradition of respect for elders and these kinds of things, learning the chanting and whether it's evening chanting and doing the proper, the proper etiquette that we have, that we use, like in the Patimoka. All these add up to a, quite a... a I think if it's done well, a beautiful way to live, because one needs social conventions. And then also it, it somehow carries this tradition beyond our personalities. So it's not about Viradham or, or Nirasa or these characters in the play, but the play somehow is, uh, has a sort of this profundity of of uh, a vehicle that is uh, moving in this culture and offering a place to practice Dhamma. So the idea of service and giving and dana is, is tremendously important in, in our tradition. If you don't have that, of course, you, you can just be kind of constantly trying to get enlightened or dealing with your problems and that becomes too dry. So the opening of the heart in terms of kind of serving, whether it's in a chemical, chemical, doing the uh, all the work he does for the organizing the work, or Nirasso, who is our chief mom here, <laughs> kind of takes care of. I think he runs a complaint department in the kitchen, maybe I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I should get a CCTV and see what you guys do in the Anagarchus. 
looking out for the bhikkhu's needs and then we have a new bhikkhu coming from California and with many skills and Najan Pavaro visiting and we've got the best cabinets in the Sangha now. So everyone everyone has that sense of how can I give to this place? How can I offer my own uh, skills and which is really makes makes for good Sangha life. And those are the conventions. So of course the Vinaya um, how we wash our bowls and how we put away our bedding and uh, how we bow and how we hold our hands in Anjali and how we guppy grapes, my favorite rule. <laughs> and so on and so forth. And that those those structures are, are, are you know the idea is that well first of all that we we have an agreement how to share our resources, how to have a way of decision making, a hierarchy which helps to organize things. So we don't have to come every morning and say, who's going to be sitting in the center seat? No, it's just the senior guy, he sits in the center seat. That saves a lot of reorganizing all the time. Um, and then, and then, then, because it's a common rule, we all read about it and we study it. Then we we agree to live in that way. Not again, not because it's an invention of one of the bhikkhus, but because this is what the elders have asked us to do, right from the time of the Buddha. So our elders, Lopachal and Posamido, have offered the training to their disciples and said, you know, please do it this way. These are the ways that uh, we have found helpful to create community and to make community strong. These are the ways we suggest uh, relating to lay people, relating to monks, relating to anagarikas. Please do it this way. So uh, we, we're, we're kind of gifted that from our elders, Theravada. So sometimes like, you hear about a monk who sees in the suttas that this robe is a certain size, you know, and it's not the size we wear, so the, the guy insists on wearing the robe that way. That's really selfish and, and disrespectful to the elders and conceited. But those monks don't, don't stay in monasteries. They have to be alone because they don't, because they're clueless, <laughs> basically. They don't have a clue. But they get very opinionated and very, very um, divisive in their opinions. And Ajahn Sumer used to talk about that, didn't he? He said, right, but not true. Nopacha also. Jing de mai tuk, tuk to mai jing. It's right, but it's not true. It's true, but it's not right. So opinions and views, yeah, maybe it's right, but is it, is it really true? You know, and what, is it, what does it do for us as a community? And then, the, and then the minutia of the Vinaya is, is, is just to, 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 develop, to have a kind of um, a skillfulness that helps us to awaken to the way things are 24-7. So that our life isn't just a, it's not like a, a monasticism isn't a retreat center where we, we go to a retreat center to retreat and walk away again. It's 24-7. So it can't just be meditation all the time because 
very few people really thrive that way. And so what we found in our in our monasteries is that the winter retreat really put a lot of effort into the formal practice and then other times put a lot of effort into service, uh, developing the, the craft of sewing and, and so on and so forth. And that, over a 12-year cycle, we found that, that that works pretty good. That works pretty good. So now we're in a pretty intense work period and lots of to do and lots to organize. And, and so, but still, uh, the work of awakening is not really winter retreat or summer work periods all the time. And, and to awaken to the way things are, what do you need to do? Well, you need to stop. So when I stop talking, probably then you notice the way things are. And the space of stopping has no definition. It's only when you start thinking that you lose it. And our thinking mind is, is compelled by the love of conclusions because there's a false security in that. Now, in conventional ways of practice, yeah, we need conclusions. Who's a good builder? Who's a good plumber? Who can drive the car? Uh, when is daylight savings time? Finish. So these are conclusions that we come to in the way of the world. So we have that part of the mind. But there's that other part, which is in, in that talk that Lumpacha that I read, Convention and liberation, that other part where he says nothing or emptiness, it's, I find that very, very interesting. Uh, nothing sounds like nothing, <laughs> but no thing. Like if you, if you just listen now or just... When, when is there a thing? Isn't there a thing when you define it? If you don't define this moment, in other words, you let go of thought, you stop. Is there any thing? Is there a thingness to this moment? Isn't it all amorphous or... or any, any word you put on it's moving, it's changing, it's still not the suchness of this moment. So to notice the suchness of you have to stop. What do you have to stop? I mean, you think about, you know, what do you have to stop? We can't stop the light being light or the fan being pushing the wind, you can't stop that, that's all just doing what it does. can't stop the body pumping blood around and digesting food. 
thought. What about thought? Is thought a necessary part of the way things are? It's natural. Thinking is natural. Nothing wrong with it. But if you're thinking right now, you won't notice suchness. So if you're trying to figure out what suchness is, you're not, then you're just thinking, aren't you? But if you stop, And then define this moment. It's peaceful, it's not peaceful, it's boring, my knee hurts. Yeah, but before you do that, before you go into cognition with pain, so you do that in meditation, don't you? The pain comes up through the hip or the leg or whatever, and then the, the sense of self defines that, and then you look at the clock and you wonder how much longer uh, Will, when will the bell go? Should I move? Should I not move? So that's all thought. It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But also you begin to just feel like discomfort, pain. What is it like before you think about it? What is the suchness of pain? That's not, a, that's not a willful imposition where I'm not going to move, I'm going to just look at this pain, that's another thought. And that's, that's the kind of doing that we do, we're always trying to fix things, right? fix things or, or figure them out or uh, replace them or uh, distract. So the, the kind of restlessness of samsara is this constant doing and distracting and substituting and compensating. <coughs> and so on and so forth. But you can stop. And stopping sounds like a doing, but it's more like a receptivity, isn't it? Suchness. Challenge to sustain it. Because, why? Because the habit is to do something make a conclusion, build something, get rid of something, figure it out, analyze it, restructure it, do something. But in stomping, there is there's knowing, isn't it? So this is one of the trainings that, that really comes to us, I think, from the Bahia Sutta, different ways it's talked about. Um, the knowing, be the knowing, puru. And the other thing, what, what to me, what Lopacha is saying when he, when he says nothing or empty, if you don't try to crystallize this moment through thought and definition, And then sustain that for an hour, or half an hour or five minutes. Where this plays out really importantly, I think, is in the emotional baggage that we all carry. 
the historical hurts that we've had, the the unknown areas. So you know, like I was talking to Christopher about my own struggles with anxiety and fear. And no idea where they, where the, why I was such a frightened guy and so shy and no idea, no idea in my history. But there it was. Some people have. They can see it. They can see something happened or whatever. But you know, that might help. But it doesn't really matter. We all have some kind of um, conditioning from family, from society, from who knows, past lives. And, but anyway, we all have some sense of conditioning. And that conditioning is often loaded with fear or with... And then that fear is covered over with anger or it's covered over with uh, shyness or it's covered over with arrogance, all, all, all matters of ways. So to, to go beyond the, that kind of emotional baggage and we do need to go beyond it because if we don't, we tend to get defined all the time by that. And that's always, that always limits us and there's no real liberation or freedom. So when, when those situations of, say, what Mark was saying about sadness or I'm saying about anxiety or someone's else saying whatever it is, um, how we relate to each other, what we need to do is stop. In the midst of the upheaval, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sadness, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the anger, in the midst of the arrogance. And in the midst of that, just it's like this. The suchness, the stopping. And what that does I guarantee you that makes you very uncomfortable. I guarantee that. Because to witness to some of these things, um, we we don't like to do that because they're 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 deeply unpleasant. So in the world of people, quite often people aren't even aware of their fears or their suffering. They just keep distracted, keep distracted. So here, the life is designed for non-distraction, and so things get triggered. Uh, so what we try to, to notice is, like, how do we relate to each other? And then we have the norms of relationship, but to see how the sense of self and other arises. And begin to stop and just know how the sense of self and other arises. What's that? What's that really like? And we have enough meetings where that's possible, where we're not always rushing to a deadline. In lay life, it's very hard because people have so, too many commitments and too much to do with it. It's very hard to just stop and witness things like that. But we have a lot of time for that. And just to, 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 to feel something, um, some discomfort, and, and to actually amplify that by stopping is something we, 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 we don't want to really do. So we remain these personalities and doing the things we do. But in stopping, I found like it's, it's, a, 
it's not even going to the body. And like there's a lot of referencing now in Western culture, which is great. Go to the body, go to the body. But I think it's more than that. It's like allow the mood to be there because the mood isn't just body; it's also mind. Like say, fear isn't just tension in the body. Like I get tension in the body if I if I've overworked the muscles, but it's it's a whole aramana, aromanta aramana. And so to just stop and know and allow this aramana to be there is terribly uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, I guarantee it. So it feels worse when you're really mindful. If you're really awake to the way things are, it actually doesn't get better, it gets worse. <laughs> this is true. But, but if you hang in, if there is the stopping and allowing and receiving and being and knowing that is the refuge, not the rearranging, the conclusion making, the defining, the analyzing. If there isn't all of that, there is simply the stopping in that open state. What happens is craving now is no longer engaged. And there's the pure unpleasantness of this old formation. Very uncomfortable. If you've ever really worked with anxiety to actually stop and no fear, it's terribly uncomfortable. Very, and it seems permanent. And that's where the language of experience should put in, it'll be all right tomorrow. I promise, <laughs> or something. You can use language. But more and more there's a trust in stopping and just allowing this to be just as it is. And this is the abandonment of tanha. This is the relinquishment of tanha. This is a letting go of tanha. People hear the word letting go and they go, oh, just let go and it'll be peaceful. No, you get let go and you feel worse. <laughs> but then in that uprising of the negative, of these old, old patterns that, that we might have, and the manifestation of that, if there, is, if there is a kind of wise trusting from, usually this comes from a lot of experience, wise trusting, and that goes through consciousness, then there's liberation. There's tremendous, tremendous uh, happiness at the other side, and tremendous kind of release, um, which you don't expect. You don't expect that because in the midst of that it just seems so horrible, so horrible. And the craving is telling you, get reborn, find a distraction, think, make a conclusion, analyze, judge it, become a self that knows. And, and, and that is craving, craving creating a sense of self. So no conclusion. And the seeing is just the seeing, and the felt is just the felt, and it's not a conclusion. It's a beingness, isn't it? No conclusion, no judgment. Because quite often the whole need to judge and conclude and understand is still uh, tanha, craving. But the purity, the purity of this is, is very much, Ajahn Sumedho's um, brilliant description that it's an emotional animal. It stinks. 
And then you witness it, and then you're surprised at how much freedom comes out. You're surprised at how good the guts feel to get that stuff out. It's a a brilliant analogy, it's really dead on. So Lampasamir would say, as consciousness in the escape hatch, Bacha would say, Sopa Rome, know the the mood of the mind. And this is why the, the idea of refuge in the awakened mind, refuge in knowing, is so terribly important. Rather than the participation in the khandas, that's, that's the basic structure of, of uh, one of the basic ways you look at renunciation. And the mind always going out into, into the khandas, into that, and then the mind which knows, or the, just the knowing itself, just the knowing. And you can see how that's difficult when, when, when life is painful. Very difficult, because I don't want that pain. So like I say for saying to Christopher, I, I, uh, I would give talks and I'd do retreats and I'd just have the craps before each talk. I'd just have running diarrhea because I was so afraid. But what could I do? You know, I mean, it wasn't my fault, it was just somehow in the makeup. So there was nothing wrong. But what had to be done was to witness to it and just be and just hang in. Or tongue, bear witness, bear witness, bear witness again and again and again. And it does it doesn't seem effective in the beginning. Oh God, there it is again, there it is again, there it is again. But more and more, if there is the understanding to trust in the awakened mind, more and more you see that the result is good. Afterwards, the result is good. It comes up again, yeah, but this does work. And that becomes an intuitive trust in this, um, in this way of awakening. And more and more you see that, that the awakened state contains everything, it all belongs, as Lompa Samedo would say, it's like this. These become very profound. You know, like his statement, it's like this, is a stopping statement, isn't it? It's like this, it stops the mind. If you use it, if you if you just dismiss it, oh yeah, I know it's like this, but it's not stopping; it's thinking, and then it all belongs. Very profound. That's the kind of un, um, unbounded metta. So these are simple ideas, simple words, but they get they get you very quickly to a very profound attitude. Doubt, feelings of self-doubt. The mind just wants to find out an answer. Not knowing, not being sure, not having a conclusion. Many people find that difficult. We need to find conclusions all the time. Not knowing. Now, obviously, you're not going to do that with the accounts or the uh, the great membrane on the bar and that you have to know, you have to know how to do that. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about conventional truth. We're talking about something else. So you take something like really painful and then and then bring it to nothing. What does that mean? No thing. 
suchness. And then have the courage and patience just to, 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 to allow that just to be the way, just the way it is. Don't even have to micro-adjust it. Just the way it is. And you see how difficult that is. It's very, very difficult not to be trying to get somewhere or trying to fix something. So bhava-tanha, vibhava-tanha, these energies of always going somewhere else, or getting rid of this, or figuring it out. No, but it's like this. And your mind starts, no, 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 it's like this. Stopping. Angulimala says, hey, uh, Mr. Ascetic, stop. Angulimala couldn't find the Buddha, couldn't catch him. The Buddha says, I already stopped. What does that mean? Stop. Stop is not repression. You just stop and listen. You're not repressing anything. You know anything else. If you're feeling really terrible, stop. You know, the terrible feeling's still there. But what you do is you're enhancing awareness, knowing the awake mind. If you keep enhancing that, then the khandhas are no longer that important. They do what they do, khandhas do what they do, but that's not your real home. But you have to, you have to be able to bear pain um, misfortune, insult, uh, loss, uh, misunderstanding, blame, all I have to bear with. And enjoy the other, fine. So, Lumpur Charles, in many of his days, says, as we've been reading, are always this looking at the duality of, of samsara, praise and blame, and so on and see how we get shifted by those things. So if you find that you get someone admonishes you and your mind starts to create something, stop. Feel, feel what it feels like to get admonished. Someone praises you, stop. What does that feel like? Rather than take it personally, stop. Keep cooking, <laughs> keep driving. Don't put your hand through the chop saw, of course. But liberation isn't just a convention in that sense. It's not just a efficient woodwork or beautiful meals. Those are, those are part of the convention of truth. But there's no way you can define this moment, is there? Yeah, you can, but, but if you don't try to define it, what is it? What is it? This is, in, I think, in... Koreans then, I think they say, what is it? What? And then, stop, stop, stop. So I'll leave that for your reflection. Sadhu, <clears throat> sadhu,